Welcome again to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, what do you bring to us from the world of professional wrestling this week, the first week of January 2017? Enzo suffers a knee injury back on December 30th, then they worked it into an angle, but actually it turns out after doing the the two-week mark of checking into it more he really did do some serious injury so enzo's going to be out for a little bit so well, that's fine because cast is always fighting for him yeah, anyway cast so. has got you know so but yeah enzo's going to be out for a little bit rick flair that dead. tag team division yeah i need some uh need some bodies in there we need some more we need some more tag teams and especially on raw well i mean you had the headbangers come back for a little bit now they're gone you know you had uh you had, which I hate to say this, but you had the uh, the male cheerleaders come back and uh, the spirit squad, and now they're gone. And so, uh, yeah, and Zack Ryder got hurt. So, yeah, they're down that tag team. So, yeah. so I mean, uh, you just, they got to figure Heath out. Heath Slater something. and Rhino broke up. So, yeah, you don't have them anymore. So, they got to figure out something. Running out of tag teams very quickly. Rick Flair deadlifts 400 pounds. Have you seen this video? I saw the video. I assumed it's fake. No, it is real. It is real. I have my doubts about the authenticity of the video. It is. It is one hundred percent real. I can ver. I can verify, vouch for it. One hundred percent real. How? How do you know? He deadlifts because I have seen the unedited version that shows them actually putting the weights on and counting it. And they so, could be gimmicked weights, though. I. I don't know, man. He's his knees buckled pretty hard when he. And he got about halfway to get it the rest of the way. But, uh, yeah, it was impressive. No, it was very, uh, it was all over the internet. It was yeah. On every, it was on Yahoo and on, uh, saw it all over Facebook and on CNN and yeah, Ric Flair. How old is he? 67 now? Uh, 71, I thought. Yeah. Ric Flair is 67. He'll be 68 in February. So. Okay. All right. 67. And so, I mean, Who's you know rumors are going rampant about maybe a WrestleMania comeback kind of thing a one 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 match deal against who what would that what would you well rumor is also that you're going to see tomorrow night on uh, on Raw you're having the return of the Undertaker as well as the return of Shawn Michaels that we're possibly going to see something transform there into like a a, a tag team WrestleMania match or something. The Undertaker's not supposed to be on Raw tomorrow. Uh, rumors are saying he is. They would promote that if he was. They are. Have you not seen the recent excerpts on USA? Oh, I do see. Yes, this is. Yeah, they're. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, uh, it's in Texas, though, right? I guess. No, it's in New Orleans. They're in New Orleans. Oh, because they're announcing WrestleMania. They're announcing WrestleMania, so they are in New Orleans. I don't think they'll be adding anything to the show. Of any significance. Well, I know Sean's there to promote the uh, the movie we talked about last last week. So, uh. right, the re- resurrection of Gavin Stone. Yeah. If the WWE made it, I have my doubts as to whether it's a good film or not. That's just. Wow. I know the quality of work that they do. So, the cuts to the fans looking for that shock value facial feature. Oh, it was. I know. Out of control. Me and you talked about it. It's out of control on Monday and Tuesday. I mean, they've been doing it for about a month now. Yeah. And we, I didn't, until we talked about it last week after we were off the air. And 
watching this week's show, watching Bash at the Beach, and looking, you know, back at even wrestling shows around that area, that uh, era to now, they cut to the fans four or five times more each segment than they ever dared to back then. So, I mean, is it is the Undertaker man, the little googly eyes Undertaker dude, is he the one that kicked it off, do you think, or is it? Yeah, I think that's part of it, is that they're looking... Because you had Miz, Miz Girl also. Well, so. right. Well, there's all sorts of super fan cuts or whatever. Yeah. The, uh, like the late night television shows and everything, you know, now they're, they think that having vi- going, having something to go, go viral, having something distributed on the internet equates, is almost as valuable as television ratings. So what they're doing, you know, like a couple of years ago when they stumbled into someone making the RKO out of nowhere thing. Yeah. And then they, so that's what they're, they're, yeah, they're looking for another fan reaction shot that gets turned into a meme or gets turned into something. But once every thousand shots, you get somebody that looks like that. A lot of times you just get somebody that looks disinterested or somebody that's, that doesn't really care that or that's not reacting in the proper way. Like, yeah, I think during the Miz and the Miz and Dean Ambrose match, they, they cut away to a little girl who was definitely disinterested, but this is during during the match you're yeah. taking me out of the match to look at this stuff or during the replays in the in the box when they split the screen like all you're doing is distracting me from what's going on in the ring with right. this, with this stuff for a major moment i don't mind uh cutting like when the undertaker lost at wrestlemania that's scan the scan the crowd that's fine but when just it's a regular match on raw or smackdown what do you expect the people what do you expect to find out there yeah so yeah, it's getting way out of hand. Yeah, yeah, but I don't see it. I mean, I see this continuing, unfortunately. And it's just like the shaky camera shit that they do. It's just oh, something yeah. that, or how they zoom the camera in to, you know, like with the impact of like a punch, they'll zoom the camera into like, yeah, some to make us feel it at home, I guess. Yeah. But you don't need to do that. Yeah, it, it's I don't like that shaky cam shit. We're, we're they, all for. I mean, we. I'm in front of the camera most of the time. You, you deal with behind the scenes, not only in radio, but with TV. And so we sing the praises of Kevin Dunn on this show. But this- Oh, yeah, their production value. I mean, even back in 1999 when we're looking, you can tell the production value of the WWF back then is, is way better than WCW's. So yeah, he do, he's done some great stuff, but this is a, this is a miss for Kevin Dunn. This is one he somebody needs to knock on his knock on his door or tap him on the shoulder and say, "Hey, cut it out." Some things there's just no way to really reinvent them. You know, a camera sh- a good camera shot is a good camera shot, and there's nothing you can do. Shaking the camera when like you know when the big show hits the mat, shaking the camera that does that doesn't do anything for me. So yeah. I. Even as a, even if I was a kid, I, I don't know that I don't really understand that. But the people, kids that have never seen old wrestling shows, they think that this is standard, so they don't, yeah. they don't know the difference. Right. Maurice slaps Renee Young and gets a five thousand dollar fine. Well, I thought it was funny that this gimmick fine is five thousand dollars, and when Brock Lesnar f five Shane McMahon, it was only five hundred dollars. Yeah. So if you're gonna give out gimmick fines. Make it fifty thousand. Make it a hundred thousand. Right. But just yeah, just the fact that her slap is worth ten times an F five. Yeah. So Brock Lesnar can give out ten F fives for the same price of one Maurice slap is what you're telling me. Gimmick fines. Just don't even mention the amount. Just say she's been fined. Yeah. That's it. That's all you have to do. Well, then then it led into Dean Ambrose winning the Intercontinental Title. 
But they're going about this in a very weird way. Like I said to you a couple weeks ago, Dean Ambrose's character would not have a girlfriend. Yeah. So he's defending her honor, but he doesn't acknowledge... He's on the mic. He hasn't acknowledged anything about Renee Young. They're never seen together on the show. Correct. Is this the end of it, basically, because he won the the Intercontinental Belt? Is this the end of it already? Uh, I don't think so. I still agree with you where I see it being kind of like a... Uh, a mixed tag. Mixed tag match with... And I think that's going to carry over into WrestleMania, unfortunately. I think that The Miz will be propelled afterwards. Like I said, I thought he was like one of the most surprising wrestlers of last year. Yeah. But Dean Ambrose got nothing going on. No. So uh, if this is just something. And for him to attack uh, Renee Young on Talking Smack afterwards, too, it was, it was, all, I mean, he, he makes, if you know he's going to be on Talking Smack, you need to watch it because he makes that show. Oh, the Miz, yes, yeah, yeah he did it. He he got on her, and it was it was Daniel Bryan all over again. You're a journalist, journalize. You're a journalist, journalize. Yeah. I mean, Dean Ambrose is really an afterthought in this feud. This is really between the Miz and Renee Young. Yes. Have you noticed though that this SmackDown SmackDown is turning into a couples show because everybody on the SmackDown roster if you're dating has a girlfriend. In WWE, you're you're going to be on SmackDown. Well, or even just in storyline with. Uh, James Ellsworth and Carmella. Yeah. So now they're a couple. And yeah. then you've got Alicia Fox and uh, what's his name? Cedric Alexander. Well, I guess they're on Raw. So never they're mind. They're on Raw, but they still do the 50- 205, 205 Live. after. So that's still SmackDown, too. John Cena hasn't acknowledged Nikki Bella on the show, even though Nikki Bella is being attacked by Alexa Bliss and saying, oh, you're just going to die alone. You're never going to marry John Cena. Yeah. You had, you but know, John Cena never speaks up and says, "Yeah, I had, am dating Nikki Bella." Or you had Natalia do it. You've oh, had, Natalia, that's what I meant, not uh, and Alexa you've Bliss. Had Carmella as well, and so. With, but John Cena never speaks up. No. He never rushes to defend his his woman's honor. No, no. You and I mean, know why? Because he's a feminist, and he believes you know what she can stand up for herself. Well, shouldn't <laughs> Dean Ambrose feel that way too? I don't know. It's just uh, I really I agree with you though. Uh, but unfortunately, I see this turning into, like we said, a mixed tag and it, it carrying over into a WrestleMania. You'll see. Oh, no, no. John Cena will not be doing any mixed tag. No, I'm, I'm talking about Miz and uh, Ambrose. They and just Cena. don't have anything for Dean Ambrose uh, at the moment. But now with, uh, with Dolph Ziggler turning heel, there's no faces on SmackDown. John Cena and Dean Ambrose are the two faces on the entire roster. Yeah. Well, I mean, that are top guys. In the, well, in the top billing position. I mean, you can say Apollo Crews is, but you don't know anything about Apollo Crews because they never let him talk. So On Tuesday night, carrying over into Wednesday morning, here in the USA, it was midday over in Japan for Wrestle Kingdom 11 this past week. I watched it on the uh, internet, watched the whole pay-per-view, and let's just say WrestleMania needs to start looking a lot better if they want to be pay-per-view of the year because pay-per-view 2017 right now wrestle kingdom's got it locked in because this was unbelievable every single match brought me off my feet i haven't had a chance to watch it what would your standout match be what would you my standout match uh especially was cody rhodes cody rhodes making his debut who did he wrestle was uh some Japanese guy. Yeah, I took on Juice Robinson. 
Yes. And how did he do? It was it was the greatest match I have ever seen Cody Rhodes in. And that is a strong statement. It really was unbelievable. No, it wouldn't take much. Uh, Cody Rhodes, his time in the Fed, he didn't get a lot of uh, opportunities to really showcase his wrestling ability. So, I mean, he makes his New Japan debut, dominates the pay-per-view. He, I mean, he shows up, kicks ass, takes names, trash talks to uh, my good friend uh, Steve Carino throughout the entire match, which makes it even better because it brings back the carino Rhodes rivalry from for original ECW fans. Uh, it was great, man. It was a knockout of the park. Surprisingly, I sent you the link. It shows uh, the New Japan Battle Royal, their version of the Royal Rumble. I don't remember exactly what they call it. It's where, just called the New Japan Rumble. Was it New Japan Rumble? Shocking to see my good friend. I didn't even know he was going to be there, but my good friend Scott Norton from WCW making his Japan return, return his New Japan return. So, uh, and you had Billy Gunn. <laughs> in the New Japan Rumble as well. So uh, that was my two shockers of the pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger was in it. Liger was in it. And uh, Yuji Nagata. Yeah. It looks like a great card. It, it looks uh, it was, looks looks kind of long, though. It went a good four and a half, almost five hours. That's crazy. And it you watched was, it in real time. I watched it in real time because I'm sitting there going, holy crap, I need to go to sleep. And from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m., I sat there and watched it. So, well, this is Steve Carino's uh, swan song. Uh, so he's leaving Ring of Honor. So it's unfortunate that uh, he's really become a great play-by-play guy. But uh, they're just going to use him as a trainer in NXT. Hopefully, they'll get let him sit at the announce desk. His son Colby Carino just signed developmental deal with new japan wrestling so uh good friend of mine colby carino glad to see colby taking off to try to do that so yeah so one carino leaves japan and one goes to it once hey colby's gonna be something big man colby's colby's on a roll uh while we're on new japan let's just stick with it wrestle kingdom as well kenny omega makes an announcement that he is leaving new japan pro wrestling after main eventing Wrestle Kingdom 11. Rumors are he is going to be a surprise for the Royal Rumble and a new signee for WWE. And that is a huge blow to New Japan because Kenny Omega was was one of their big, big stars. I have a feeling Kenny Omega will be back. I think so. I saw an article where he was trashing the uh, WWE. I mean, that could just all be a work, but it, it came across like he... Said he would rather just be the guy that never showed up, never sold out. So they've got so much talent at the WWE that they don't know what to do with. Now is not a good time to come over, I don't think. Like when AJ Styles in the Stone Cold podcast or in other interviews talks about why he didn't sign way back when, they just wouldn't have had a place for him. They just don't know what to do. I mean, they've got Joe and Nakamura in NXT. I mean, that's how they're yeah. using they. So now would be not a once. So once they call up, you know, Bobby Roode and uh, Nakamura and Joe and some of those guys from NXT, and then they need a new crop with some recognized indie wrestlers. I could see him maybe joining then, but right now, 
I think he would just get lost in the shuffle right now. And last but not least on Wrestle Kingdom, Adam Cole wins the Ring of Honor heavyweight title. So, That's right, because uh, Kyle O'Reilly is a free agent, yeah. and so they had to get the belt off of him. So Adam Cole is a three-time Ring of Honor heavyweight champion. Well, Ring of Honor really needs him. So they, oh, they really need him, yeah. Other than him, Jay Lethal, I mean, they, they'll, they would sink. So uh, now the now the company needs to kind of hold off on signing new talent and figure out what to do with the talent that they do have. Well, unfortunately, how I wish that was so true, but they go out and sign sixteen new competitors for my next one here, the uh, United Kingdom tournament. So yeah, but those are on a per appearance basis. They are, but. You know as I know that it's going to be just like 205 all over again. At least half of that 16 is going to get signed. Maybe. Yeah. Like I said, if it's if the goal of that program, if they turn it into a weekly show, if it's, if the goal is to just get that audience over yeah. in Europe and, and the United Kingdom, then, that's, then that'll be fine. Because I know. It, it's just not for us. Right. I knew a few of the guys that were in that 16, 16 man crew, but, uh, did you recognize anybody? No, I'm just not really familiar with a lot of those UK indie guys and like ICW and that 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 crew and yeah. I'm just not I just don't have the time to really keep up with it, but right. there's a lot of talented wrestlers over there and it's I mean it's produced uh, you know, just in the last few years like with uh Finn Balor, Prince Devitt is somebody that that grew up over there and that emerged as a star so it's a breeding ground for new talent and a different style of wrestling it's not it's not the same it's not a luchador style and it's not you know the american indie circuit so yeah it's uh i mean they add and i didn't realize it till william regal as a kid but they add so much of a different style to wrestling and to greco-roman grappling wrestling yeah, yeah. And mixing that in with with pro wrestling, it's it's exciting. So I am I'm not going to miss this tournament. I'm going to watch this tournament if it's on the network. But uh it it will be an exciting tournament, I feel. Yeah, it'll be a great tournament. Um but I'm you know, I'll just I'll catch it when I can. I'm not yeah. it's not appointment viewing for me. Rumors have leaked that Rick Rude and my very good friend, the real people's champion, DDP, are going to be the first two announced to go into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2017. Yeah, those are those are fine picks. R- Rick Rude's been long awaited. Yeah, the only part about Rick Rude being announced this early, you know, in recent years, they've really shied away from putting more than one person who's deceased into the Hall of Fame at the same time. So that means so many other people that have passed away are eliminated from this year's lineup because he is he's the one. So I mean it's it's well deserved, but at the same time it's it's kind of like, well, that means that means no no China, no I can't think, you know, off the top of my head, no Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth. 
Yeah, Miss Elizabeth would. I mean, there's so many. Because rumors keep saying she's going in this year as well, since Macho did. Yeah, there's just there's so many d- dead wrestlers, unfortunately, that it's hard to to narrow it down to to some that. But it, it just that that's all it tells me though is that that'll be the one that's the deceased honoree. Yeah, and unfortunately, I guess his widow is going to be the one to give the speech because his son passed away a couple years ago. So yeah. and in a car wreck at 19. Yes. So, I don't know, it's just sort of sad. It's just, uh, it kind of bums me out to watch these, or like last year with Bossman's family, it's just very sad. I mean, it, it's a good honor, but it, at the same time, it bums me out just because it reminds me that these guys aren't here. I mean, Rick Rude died in his 40s. I mean, that's terrible stuff. Well, I mean, in an in-ring accident's what basically ruined his career. Yeah, breaking know? his back. Yeah. So, yeah, man. But, uh, I mean, what's your thoughts on the other side, what's your thoughts on DDP? DDP's a fine inductee, but he had a DDP's career is remarkable to me because of how late he started wrestling. I mean, not that he he was in the business a long time, but it was a valet, a manager around the business doing other stuff before he actually turned into a competitor. And so that that's the most remarkable thing about his career is that he got in it so late and, and became such a such a star. And I'm not sure, though, that the long... He didn't have a long enough career, in my opinion, to really... Uh, 25 years? I mean, as a wrestler, not... I mean, you go from 90... It's a very short window. 90... Well, okay, it was like... Yeah, it was five. like 10 years. No more than that you go from like 95 to i mean you still you still pay him he'll show up and wrestle at indie shows now so yeah i I, when he's not doing yoga maybe it's just his limited time as a top guy maybe there's just something that well i mean he you gotta think looking back there was only a four-year span there when wcw was really hot when you think of ddp that four-year span was was ddp's hot streak and so well and to be able to get to a top position with all the guys that are holding, I mean, that are up there. Yeah. Already. Well, and that shows the talent of DDP to to be able to step in to the likes of the playground, you would say, of Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage and Sting and so on and so Johnny forth. Johnny B. Bad, all the greats. Yeah, no. And uh, and be able to say, you know what, I'm going to step up here to the to – the, the adults Thanksgiving table. I'm I'm not doing the kitty table no more. I'm gonna show you how it's done and uh and move over. And he did. And so, you know, other like I've said it before and I'll say it again, other than Goldberg as a kid, man, DDP was my was my go to guy. He was he was that, you know, when when I was dancing around as a as a really young kid and then when I got a little bit older and, and realized, you know, the likes of like Bobby Eaton and uh Jerry the King Waller and so, you know so many others have gone on to influence me, but right off the bat, man, DDP was one, and, and it's an honor and a privilege now to to have been able to work with him and know him and, and call him a friend and uh, to have shared the ring with him and the locker room with him. And, uh, and yeah, this is a well-deserved honor because he is not only promoting yoga, he's promoting health, and he's saving the lives of wrestlers like, unfortunately, Rick Rude and so many so forth that that could not you know no oh, jake the snake and scott hall wouldn't that probably wouldn't be, be around today if that it wasn't wouldn't for be him here. yeah it kind of makes me think that they're not going to do goldberg this year then because 
It'd be very weird for them to put two big WCW stars on the same Hall of Fame class. Just because they're... They may. I just think they're too petty. They're too... This company just doesn't do that. But yeah. So, uh, speaking of DDP, DDP with his two Jersey boys were a part of our pay-per-view that we're looking back at this week. Uh, Before, one last thing I wanted to mention before we get into the review is that that show Bring It to the Table was awful. I hated it. It was... I had forgotten about that. I wanted to talk about that too, yeah. Well, because the premise of the show was that there it would be a discussion show. And discussion is not a one-way street. It's not... If we did this podcast and when you when you asked me about... When you were being critical about something, if I just said, well, are you going to quit watching then? Or are you going to... Well, you're just bitching. You're just bitching. Yeah. That... That doesn't elevate the discussion. That just shuts it down. And that's all this was, was these two WWE guys, JBL and Heyman, bullying this guy, Rosenberg, yeah. who represented the fan, who was supposed to be our voice. And he backed down. Well, yeah, because he was beaten down. I mean, he couldn't... He backed down. Had it been you, I guarantee you, I, it could have been freaking Triple H standing right there, and you would not have backed down. You would have been like, no. No, it, it wasn't about backing down... I mean, he had no choice because they're not going to answer the questions. Yeah. They're not going to answer. They're not going to provide critical discussion or critical thought to these topics. When they got on the Conor McGregor and I was like, okay, now we're getting to some serious controversial stuff. And Paul Heyman shot that down in seconds talking about that's nothing. That's nothing. He's nothing major. He's just, he's just doing it to make money. He's just doing it. Well, oh, or then man. JBL saying, or hey, man, I forget which one. Oh, Connor, even if he was, they entertain the idea, number one, that Connor would be a, a pro wrestler. I don't think Connor McGregor wants to be a pro wrestler. No. He makes way too much money doing what he's doing. And then number two, they were like, oh, he just couldn't, he couldn't handle the schedule going yeah. town to town or whatever. Well, of course not. That's not what he does. He's not a wrestler, and he doesn't want to be a wrestler. And and he'd rather fight f- three times a year and make millions and millions of dollars. And what kills me is, is they really didn't talk about the true elephant in the room, which was you're coming off of the heels of Ronda Rousey losing. I think it was taped before that. Okay, was it taped before? Because uh, I was going to say, man, that one really should have been. If you're going UFC fighters. When and if that's the one everybody's talking about is Ronda Rousey. Well, when it comes to pro wrestling and yeah, the potential for them to to join definitely, it's all uh, Ronda, not not Connor. The discussion that I guess I didn't like the most was Rosenberg said, uh, "Why don't you? I think we should cut Raw down to two hours. You know, I have to fast forward it. It's not it's not good." And that, like I said earlier, that's when it became, "Well, are you gonna boycott?" That's just people. That's just the internet bitching. And then JBL was like, "No television contracts. They make tons of money off that." Well, at the same time, JBL Raw has lost audience the last ten years steadily every single year. Yeah. So by having this third hour, by dragging people through the mud for an extra hour, you're also losing people. So this revenue that you count on, yeah, okay, I understand that you have an extra hour of television. You can sell more advertising. But at the same time, you're trading off a lot of the audience. You could charge more for two hours of more people 
you know, it's more lucrative to advertisers to have a bigger audience. But he didn't explain that at all. It was just, oh, no, television contracts. And then even more offensive, he was like, well, we, we've got the cruiserweights, and that takes up like four segments. We're in like the fifth or sixth year of this three-hour format. Yeah. They just added the cruiserweights like six months ago. What yeah. have we been doing in the meantime where he, what have we been filling that with? Just bullshit. That's what it yeah. was. And even then, the cruiserweights don't take that many segments. It's one match. If we get two matches of cruiserweights on an, on a Raw, it's a rare occasion. Just like in last week's review about Clash of the Champions, that was like three hours of TV, and there was a tons of tons of matches. Yeah, they were short and shitty matches, but they advanced storylines. It didn't feel like filler. There's just so much filler on Raw. Yeah, that's why SmackDown's been the better show for uh, since the brand split, just because it's more concise. It gets to the point. It knows it's only got two hours to get to the point. Yeah. They don't get in there and screw around. No. Yeah, you're right on, man. A show that I wish was two hours. Bash the Beach 99. <laughs> it would have helped out quite a bit. It, was, it wasn't as bad as I was thinking it was going to be. Let's clarify this now. This is my pick for this week. Bash the Beach 1999. July 11th, 1999 from the National Car Rental Center in Fort Lauderdale. Where Fort Lauderdale was in the news a lot this week, too, sadly. Yeah. And yes... The biggest moment in WCW history, Hogan turning heel, happened at Bash at the Beach, but it happened at Bash at the Beach 96. Of the other Bash at the Beach shows, is there really anything to remember? Well, that's what we'll find out today as we few step into this 1999 time machine. This is taking place in front of 13,624 fans. Not a bad, not a bad crowd for WCW 99 after... This is after Finger Poke Doom. This is after Going Downhill. Yeah. The uh, the ride is about to end for WCW. This is Hill Roddy Piper, too. RPVP? Yes. Yeah. This is the Flair administration. We saw him be appointed to president in the uh, that January edition of Nitro. The Finger Poke of Doom yeah. Nitro. So not only was it the Finger Poke of Doom, but it was the start of the Ric Flair administration. So a lot of great things happening in that Nitro. The dark match that we didn't get to see was C.J. Offey and Jeremy Lopez. They defeated Jamie Howard and Jet Jaguar. Jamie Howard, of course, would become Jamie Noble in okay. WWF. So there you go. A little, uh, a minor star there in the uh, dark match. J&J Security. Who He had a bad... Did he get attacked with the knife last year at his trailer park or was this in 2015? So no, that was last year as well. It was 2016, so he yeah. did not have a good 2016. No. And J&J Security, they just dropped that, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, without any warning. Yeah. That uh, was the one part of the authority that I actually enjoyed was J&J Security. They played it up. They'd walk down with their earpieces in. They were always looking They were out. committed to that gimmick. They loved it. Yeah. The ugly WCW star logo. What do you think of this star I logo? A logo is a very delicate thing to mess with. You can't just go touring around with the logo yeah. for whatever your company is. P- people would riot if we if you just decided to change our logo for some reason. For oh, exactly, podcast. yes. I mean, Or like if Major League Baseball changed their logo overnight or something. Or like this year, uh, 2017 NASCAR will have a new logo. And it's it looks a lot like the old logo, but it's still different. Why yeah. would you even mess with it? It's, yeah. it's working just fine. So this WCW logo, and it... 
This WCW logo, the star logo, does not age well. It looks very, very year 2000 yeah. dated. Not to say that their old logo was timeless. In fact, I always thought that WCW logo prior to this one looked kind of old as it was, but it's the one everyone remembers. I think it was better. You think the star logo was better no, than, I the, think than it the letters? Was I think the star oh, okay. logo was... When, when you saw the star logo, it was kind of just like... Well, now looking back, we know what we're about to get if it we see the this downward, star logo it was the downward slide of wcw and there was no return so we get the ugly wcw star logo and then a music montage with no announcer nothing to explain what we're watching but music plays rock music plays and then it shows us the recap of the main event program which will be a tag match featuring sting and nash taking on macho man and psycho sit but it's not just any tag match patrick this tag match will be for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. If Sid or Savage pin Kevin Nash, they win the title. Not only that, it was explained that Sting could somehow win the title. Now, this uh, this had me very confused. If Sting turned on Nash and pinned him... How could he do that, though? How he could he not... be champ. I Usually, Fatal 4-Way, you know, first one with fall. That's what it should have been. But it wasn't. I know it wasn't. It was basically you have a tag partner, but technically it's three on one. Okay, but how can Sting pin Nash if Sting's not the legal man? How can... Because they're on the same team, right? Right. Only one legal man at one time. Right. So was the stipulation... I'm still confused about this. This is the what stipulation I... stipulation was that if... When it pertains to Sting. I understand... Okay, if, if Sid and... Savage. Is it Sting pins Savage or Sid? He's the champion, or is it Sting has to pin he Nash? Has to been, he has to pin Nash to my to my understanding. See, this is where which, I was just which is confused. which I I see what they were trying to do. So let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. So if Savage and Sid could not get a pinfall, and Sting decides to turn on Nash. Like sneak up behind him, hit him with a scorpion death lock or, or scorpion death drop, something like that. At that point in time, the whole two men in the ring at once is thrown out. And at that point in time, Sting could pin his tag team partner for the one, two, three to become champ. See, I'm just, I'm still very confused. I'm still not even sure that's what they meant. And and when you have That's how I took it in their explanation anyway. And that's that's as good as any because see that's part of the problem with this main event is when you have a stipulation and you the company don't even know how to explain it yeah you've got problems not only that it's a tag team match like this isn't even a one-on-one match for the title with some crazy this isn't like you remember how confusing like the death match the doomsday cage and uncensored was like yes this is even more confusing than that i think and this is somehow for the belt in a tag team match but i'll talk about I'll bitch about it more in the main event. We have a long way to go before we, got a we get there. Long way to go. Tony and Bobby are going to have the call for us. I mentioned the Bash at the Beach set. The set with the sand and the chairs. The set still looks great. It's the same set they've been using since '96. But yeah. I think it's awesome. I. That's one thing I do miss about WCW is they always put a lot of time and energy into these sets. And for a long time, the WWF did too. And then they quit. And, and they now just we're stopped. stuck with the same damn thing, and it sucks. Well, he still changed it a little bit for WrestleMania, and that's about it. But, yeah, 
that. You especially notice it when you're playing the video game because every pay-per-view is just, it looks like the Raw set or it looks like yeah. the SmackDown set. Yeah. It's kind of boring. Both commentators are going to be wearing Hawaiian shirts and Bobby, he's going to be wearing sunglasses for the entire pay-per-view, which tells me he doesn't want to look at the mess that's going to be happening in the ring tonight. Oh, there's going to be a mess. Lots of messes. A big pile. Tony mentions that Mike Tanay has to spend the night in the junkyard for the Junkyard Invitational. Another bad sign that we've sent our best analysis, our best analyst, we've sent him to a junkyard. Yes. So we have no chance of hearing from him <laughs> you will throughout not, the night. You will not hear from Mike Tanay except for one match only. They also mention America's Judge Mills Lane is here tonight. He's got a new uh, judging show on TV in 1999, which I assume Turner is probably producing. So that's why the tie-in is, here. Is, is Mills Lane still alive? Now this is he one, is he is still alive. Yes. Does he still referee boxing? No, he had a stroke a few years back, and okay. he's in very poor health now. See, I heard of the stroke, and then I didn't hear anything else since, so I didn't know. Yes, America's Judge Mills Lane is here tonight, and he will ref Buff Bagwell and Roddy Piper in a boxing match. Yes. Or so we think it's a boxing match. Unique rules. Mean Gene is in the aisleway, and he's rocking his shades in a Hawaiian shirt as well. He plugs the hotline, which is, what's the hotline? 1-900-909-9900. Kids, get your parents' permission before calling. Patrick, someone is backstage tonight that could send repercussions throughout the wrestling world. Dollar forty nine a minute. We better call and find out. You need to call. Forget asking your parents. Just grab the phone and call. Ask forgiveness, not permission. That's what exactly. I always That say. is our motto here at Retro Wrestling Podcast. Mike Tanay is at the junkyard. His spies tip... Remember, this is an unsanctioned match. His spies just happen to tip him off to the location that this match would be happening at. The junkyard. Out of all the junkyards in Fort Lauderdale, he found the one that this match would be happening at. And so he teases that it's still daylight when we go out to him, but... I wish it was still daylight when the match would be happening later on. It would uh, lead to some problems. It was, yeah. It was difficult to see. Yeah. He explains that Ric Flair, what an asshole this Ric Flair is. He banned hardcore matches. So Sandman, or as he's known now, Hardcore Hack, said meet me at a junkyard. Wrestlers that aren't signed to the company could be appearing, Patrick. So stay tuned. This is an invitational. Open you or I, if we had been driving past the junkyard, we could have won. Pulled over and got in there, and we could have won that prestigious title. The hardcore title. WCW hardcore title. So then the cat's shitty dubbed over theme music plays. It's really, really bad. It's like someone took a keyboard. I pulled out my old VHS and played it. So now I don't know what the dubbed over. Uh, you're going to have to explain this here. How did it sound? I'll put a clip in, but it sounds like someone with like a, a Fisher Price keyboard yeah. was listening to the cat's I'm the greatest James Brown theme and then playing it on the keyboard. So it's like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and it's terrible. <laughs> well, what's weird about this, you'll see in a minute, they dub it over here, but then they play it a few minutes later. It's very, very wonky, to say the least. The cat comes to the ring. He's managed by Sonny Ono. He gets the mic. He says that these rednecks here in Fort Lauderdale make him sick. He's a bad man, and if he had time, he'd whoop every redneck in here. Somebody better call my mama. I'm about to whoop his ass. 
Now, this match was originally supposed to be for the right to dance, Patrick. Yes. One of these two men was going to have to give up dancing. They were going to lose the right to dance forever. Forever. But WCW changed the stipulation of this meaningless match. So now that's not even on the line. Because last minute they realized that is both gimmicks for both guys. Yes, that's exactly what happened. We are screwed if we actually do this. Especially with Disco Inferno. Yeah. The cat could be salvaged, I think, without the dancing. But this would have killed Disco. Yeah, they were like, okay, well, the cat can't lose this match. But then at the same time, this guy's name is Disco Inferno. How is he going to have a gimmick without being able to dance? So Gilberti would not have been able to wrestle ever again. He was like Disco Inferno for like several years. Like you can't just all of a sudden say you can't dance and come back as a new character. I mean, you're still Disco Inferno to me, pal. It's like Alex Wright when he came back and tried to do that. Oh, yeah, Berlin. Yeah, Berlin. Yeah, Berlin and the wall. It didn't work. Well, it took me a while. Well, they changed his look enough that I was convinced that it was someone else because he was bald with the little uh, mohawk thing of black hair. Yeah. The cat says we are going to get a dance contest tonight. So even though we thought we were going to be done with dancing, we're going to get a dance contest. Disco comes out in his neon green attire, and it looks like Disco has been hitting the prescription bottle because he is jacked. (laughs) He is... In the best shape of his life here. Cat says Disco can't beat him at shaking his booty. So then they play Cat's James Brown theme that they yeah. just dubbed over. Mm-hmm. And he dances to it. And I thought he was a pretty good dancer here. But the crowd boos him anyway. Then Disco grabs the mic, but his music starts playing immediately. So he just sort of says, hey, watch this. Then he does his disco dance for a second before the cat starts brawling with him. Cat jumps him. So we didn't even get a proper dance-off. No. Sonny Ono is the cat's manager, and he comforts him on the outside of the ring. Cat grabs the mic. Cat grabs the mic and says he's going to call his mama and let him know that he's going to whoop somebody. That's right. And that somebody's going to be Disco Inferno. The cat tries karate kicks that miss. Disco lands a couple of atomic drops. Ono kicks Disco a couple of times on the outside, but Randy Anderson misses it. Then Cat low blows Disco right in front of Randy Anderson. Uh, the Randy just lets it go. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> I didn't see nothing. Cat lands a sidekick, but wastes 18 seconds, as Bobby points out, before covering Disco, so Disco kicks out at two. Disco lands a second rope smash for a two count, and Disco tries the last dance, which is his Stone Cold Stunner. That's his finishing move now. Yes. He tries the last dance. It used to be called, I think, the Disco Drop before it was called the last dance, but he gets kicked by the cat instead and covered for a two count. Captain gets his red dancing shoes. This is what gives him extra power. Yeah, his tap dancing shoes, red velvet. But Disco steals his red shoe before he can use it, and he decks the cat with it. But Cat kicks out at two. Then Ono gets last danced across the ropes as he was trying to interfere. Cat puts on his red shoe and kicks Disco Inferno and wins. So there you have it. The cat is your winner. Ono drapes the James Brown cape over him, and he dances around Disco's dead body. What did you think of this match, Patrick? This was bad. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good start to the night. And to think at one point in time, the cat Ernest Miller was commissioner of WCW. Wow. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah. He's also went to star in The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Yes. uh, The main opponent of Mickey Rourke in uh, The Wrestler. I believe he was called the Sheik or something. He was some yeah, I think he was a Sheik, yeah. Mark Madden is back on WCW.com. He's with Mills Lane. Mills says he won't put up with any crap, and he doesn't favor anybody. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. 
The TV title match is coming up next. They show highlights of Van Hammer winning some matches, and then Flair comes out to interrupt his match he's having with Hugh Morris, and Hugh Morris is about to put Van Hammer through a table. But Ric Flair says, no more hardcore matches, no more. And then, so Morris argues with him, and then Ric Flair says, you want hardcore, you'll get it. He turns around, and Van Hammer puts him through the table. Yeah. So Flair is, why is Flair helping out Van Hammer exactly? They wanted to serve Van Hammer up to Rick Steiner to my... Because then Van either. Hammer storms in there and asks... Yeah. He goes to the cabinet. For a title shot. RPVP and Ric Flair. And they they give him... But he says he wants a title shot. I assume he wanted a world title shot. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you can face Rick Steiner. Yeah. But dumbass Van Hammer's just like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> okay. He was okay with that. Yeah. So. Heel Rick Steiner comes out. Your favorite version of Rick Steiner here. Uh, yeah. He I, doesn't I, wear the headgear anymore. Instead, he's got a bandana that's worn like a sweatband. He's got his gelled, spiked-up hair. He's the DFG, get it? The dog-faced gremlin. Yeah. And he does what he wants. He says he'll shove it up where the sun don't shine. And if you don't like me... Bite me. Okay. But what if I do like you? What do I do then? Then cheer for him. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Van Hammer is out next. He wears his ring attire is really great. A singlet with a no symbol over the word peace. Now, he could have just written war, but he instead just doesn't like peace because he's coming out of his hippie gimmick. Yeah, he was coming out of the hippie gimmick. So he had, he left the flock, became a hippie, and now he's into hating peace yeah. for some reason. Match starts. We get a vertical suplex from Van Hammer to Steiner. Rick and... Hammer go outside, and Steiner moves the mats to DDT him on the floor. Hammer low blows Steiner after Steiner assaults the ref briefly. Steiner and Rick Steiner did not like what the ref was doing to him, and Hammer takes advantage and low blows him. The crowd is completely dead for this match. This has no heat on it whatsoever. Van Hammer hits Steiner with David Penzer's cushion chair. He does turn it around and hit him with the non-cushion side, though, so I appreciated that. Steiner bites his way out of Van Hammer's finishing move, and low blows him three times, goes upstairs and bulldogs him and gets the win in three minutes and five seconds. And so ends the ballad of Van Hammer flirting with a title here. I don't think he ever won a title in his entire career of WCW, did he? I'm sure he's probably got some garbage title in there somewhere. And then Bobby and Tony are both like, well, we expected Van Hammer to win. Yeah. (laughs) They spent all this time pushing this guy. Just to crap on him. Just to have Rick Steiner, a yeah. 40-something-year-old, 45-year-old Rick Steiner beats him, you yeah. know, in three minutes. Well, great, thanks. Steiner says to the camera, this is very weird. He says to the camera, something, something, he'll stick it up your butt. Mike Tanay, we go back out to the junkyard. He's at the fence. It's non-sanctioned, but there's a referee standing there holding this shitty trophy that is made out of old car parts. It's the Hardcore Invitational title, which is a trophy. But that's what's at stake tonight, Patrick. Except for when you actually get the matches over, they don't hand you the trophy. They handed you the belt. I don't understand that one. Did you notice that? Did they hand him a belt at they the They hand in the Hardcore I'm belt. I'm not sure they handed him anything. They hand in the Hardcore belt and raised his hand. They didn't even hand him that shitty trophy. The ref has tape over his WCW logo, so that means you know it's unsanctioned. It's unsanctioned, yeah. We can't have our logo attached to it. They paid for a helicopter. This is before the the drones. You know, now they could do this on the cheap. 
Yeah. They rented a helicopter, though, to circle this junkyard. Just like the old uh, Kobo Hall sumo monster truck match. Yes. They brought in a hell. This company <laughs> will just find ways to waste money. What do we need for this? They could afford a helicopter, Patrick, but they couldn't afford enough lights for the junkyard yeah. or enough cameras to get all the action. Or brains to do it first match out while the sun's still up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good point. I mean, that just, you know. But they could afford a helicopter. Yeah. David Flair. Oh, boy. Here's your boy. We're getting into some of your favorite wrestlers here. We are. David Flair is going to fight next. Rick gave him the U.S. title belt because Scott Steiner's injured, so he said, here you go. Who cares about this crap? Here, take it. Yeah. Rick gave him the U.S. title belt and a throng of women to have sex with, so a pretty good deal if you're Rick Flair's kid. I believe I'd just take the U.S. title. I think you'd want the other decision, you know. I think you'd want the women. No. Long term... The women would have been better than the U.S. title. You think so? I think so. Now, you're a true wrestling mark. A true wrestling fan there. I like that U.S. title. (laughs) David Flair. This is his... This This, is his big moment. This is still young David Flair now. This isn't... He hasn't really jumped into being a part of WCW full-time. Full-term. I mean, this was, what, his second, third match ever? Well, they were promoting that... Remember, he tagged with Rick... After that Nitro in January. Which was so. his very first match. So, yeah, he's, well, I, not to say that he ever improved greatly, but yes, this is. Well, but they did put him in there with Dean Malenko. So, if they're going to put him in there with anybody. Yeah, they punished Dean Malenko by making Dean Malenko one of the greatest technical wrestlers. PWI's number one wrestler of 1997. Yeah. Is going to have to wrestle. Is going to have to waste his time. In this match with David Flair, and he made he made David look great. First of all, well, there wasn't much to there wasn't much to do, do but yeah. David comes out in one of Nature's robes. He's accompanied by Tori Wilson, Ric Flair, Arn, Little Nature, and Asia. It was WCW's version of China. He's a blonde woman with muscles. Yes, David Flair looks ridiculous in his pleather shorts. His ring attire needs some help. Red Bank Indie Wrestling Federation here. Malenko looks pissed off to be in this match, and I don't blame him. David Flair shoves Dean Malenko, and Malenko promptly stomps a mud hole on the corner on David Flair. We get a vertical suplex, and Malenko locks in the Texas Cloverleaf, but then Arn beats up the ref and spine busts him. The camera cut away from the spine buster, though. Missed it. Malenko body slams Asia and puts her in the Cloverleaf, and this gets a pretty good pop from the crowd. They like seeing Dean Malenko beat up women. Rick decks Malenko with the belt, and Little Nate switches to his ref shirt, counts to three, and Malenko, Dean Malenko, loses a match to David Flair in three minutes and five seconds. Disgraceful. Distasteful. But it wouldn't be the lowest point of the night, and that says a lot. Now, here's your main event of the night, the West Texas Rednecks. First of all, the greatest group of men established. The greatest faction. Of all time, the West Texas Rednecks. Well, except for Bobby Duncombe Jr. He was trash. Why do you say that? He sucks, man. Why do you say that? The rest of them were fine. Kendall's great. It's okay. Barry's great. In your greatest groups of all time in pro wrestling, you have West Texas Rednecks over four horsemen. And over the NWO. I have them second. And over DX. I have them second. (laughs) Well, you must have been thrilled to know that their match is next. They're gonna rap take- is crap is the greatest song ever. 
It was good. That was the problem with this gimmick is because the song was too good. Yeah. And so these guys were over. They were faces. Yeah, they were. Okay, proceed. They're going to take on the No Limit Soldiers tonight. This started when Kurt Henning made fun of Master P. And then the No Limit Soldiers responded by saying, Hootie hoo! Yes. It's the call of the soldier. The promo for this match, the video package, it plays the entire music video for Rap is Crap. And then they almost played the entire Nitro performance from where they performed this live on the Nitro before the show. Well, they lip synced yeah. it live. Yeah. But then they cut it off before the live performance starts, and you catch David Penzer standing in the ring saying something about five minutes till the next match. So they really fucked this up. So good production to go with a, a great pay-per-view. The West Texas Rednecks are out first. They get a decent pop. Kurt Henning does his gum trick with a cowboy hat on. Minnesota-born Kurt Henning is now wearing a cowboy hat in his Mr. Per- in his you know in his singlet. It looks very yeah. ridiculous, but very funny. No Limit Soldiers are out next. There, that is, that includes Conan, a maskless Rey Mysterio, the Soldier Swole, 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 Swole. 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 <laughs> and Brad Armstrong. I, when you okay. think No Limit Soldier. Time out. Where the hell did they reach? They reached on that one. No, like we were saying about Tom Zink in the last show, like Brad Armstrong's sort of in the same category. Whenever yeah. they just needed an extra hand. That's true. Grab one of the Armstrongs. But how do you... That's a far That's reach. a stretch. That's yes. a major stretch. Well, now he's known as B.A., get yeah. it? Yeah. And, Which is and weird. Bobby made that joke numerous times yeah. throughout this match. Four by four is out with them. He is a massive man. This a ve- dude. The widest man I think I've ever seen. Well, not. Did he ever wrestle? No, I don't think so. He never made it. Was he just ring. a bodyguard or what? What was he? I think he was at the power plant. I think he was training. But I really thought he was Master P's bodyguard. Because at the time, late 90s, Master P actually was a well known rapper. Yeah. So I've, I've thought he was part of his entourage that chase guy that was out with him though boy banging out the steroids too too. conan gets on the mic he says you strawberry fools you west texas rednecks you'll bow down toss our salads and peel our potatoes that's very gross what he wants the west texas very disturbing yes urban dictionary toss our salads and peel our potatoes and see what you find don't do this ladies and gentlemen don't do not do that. Ray gets the mic and does the call of the soldier, which is hooty who. Barry Windham and Ray start the match. Barry hammers Ray with strikes. Ray tries a springboard moonsault, but gets caught. Gets out of it. Hits another one. This is an elimination match, by the way. They just kind of throw that in there. Brad Armstrong gets a lot of offense on Hennig and looked really great for one minute. Then Bobby Duncan Jr. tags in and Swole gets in. Swole hits a clothesline on Duncan and gets a big boot. And Duncan knocks the bandana off of Swole's head. Pretty funny. Kendall Wyndham tags in and gets a clothesline from Swole and low blows him. Then Kendall misses a clothesline on Swole in the corner and hits the ring post. Ray tags in. Kendall nails him with the big boot. Ray returns the favor and tries to take the big man down. He tries to hurt Ginrana, but Kendall takes a big tumble to the outside. Conan tags into a big pop to take on Hennig. Conan DDTs Duncan and springboards Ray into Hennig. Ray hits a Bronco Buster on Barry Wyndham. Swole tags in again and hits a body slam. Swole pinned Duncan Jr., but gave it up so that Ray Jr. could hit a leg drop and pin Duncan instead. As, this like, was a cluster. Let's keep him, fans, please 
keep in mind we're doing the best we can. But it seemed like there was a lot of miscommunication. There was a lot. So then Swole tees off on Kurt Hennig. Chasing four by four, meanwhile, on the outside, they assault Duncan as he he's just trying to leave. <laughs> and they beat him up on the way out. And I, I was I was concerned here for a second. I wanted to throw this out there. I don't know if this was a spot Barry at one point in time. This is how Barry gets eliminated. Is he's picked up, carried off. We haven't got there yet, but we will. I don't know if the guys out there with the the no limit soldiers knew like this particular person's the one you're going to do it to or what but the whole running and attacking every single person that got eliminated out of the west texas rednecks was absurd and ridiculous so now either it was a miscommunication or it just there was some serious heat there that something was said and but there it looked like there was some serious strikes thrown in some some shots laid in in between walking back and forth through those guys so just wanted to point that out. Proceed. Armstrong tags in and he cleans house, but then Hennig hits the Henning plex and eliminates B.A. Brad Armstrong. Kendall deadlifts Conan for a slam, misses a top rope knee, and then gets X-factored for a two count because Barry breaks it up. Ray hits a drop kick from behind and Conan pins Kendall Wyndham, so now it's three to two for the faces. Barry Wyndham DDTs Conan kicks out off camera because we cut away to see four by four and chase chasing out another heel. They chase out Kendall this time. Right. Conan and Wyndham get gassed from being in this match so long. Conan was in it for an eternity. Chase assaults Barry Wyndham and takes him to the back. Conan follows, so both get counted out. And that is how they are eliminated from this match. So it's Ray and Swole versus Kurt Hennig. Barry Wyndham comes back to help, but gets chased by Chase. 4x4 four four stops Hennig from leaving. Then Ray gets on Swole's shoulder and gets a big splash on Hennig, and the No Limit Soldiers get a big win in a grueling 15 minutes, 35 seconds. This was rough 15 minutes. Very slow, very disorganized. This was a cluster if there ever was. I don't think Swole knew what he was doing. I don't think Who anyone... Who was He was another power plant guy. He was a power he, plant He went guy. on to become somebody else, though. He looks familiar, but I could not place it. I don't think he went on to do anything else, actually. I can look him up. Swole. I don't even know how to spell it. S-W-A-L is how I put it in my notes here. He retired in August of this very year, so he was already out of the business. Yes, it was Swole. S-W-O-L-L. O-L-L, okay. He's an old football player, played for the Broncos. But by the time he got into wrestling, I mean, even in 1999, he's already 35 years old. And this okay. is his very first match, basically. Yeah. And so he was out of it in a month later. So I wish my first match was with the likes of Barry Windham and Kurt Henning. Ray Mysterio. Yeah. Good payday. Yeah. Sure he got paid a lot. Tony and Bobby tease the rest of the card, then they toss the tape of Sandman's challenge after Bobby flubs a joke. But in a few moments, we're going to go out live. David Pinch is going to lead us through with the stipulations and talk about the Junkyard Hardcore Invitational. First time ever on a pay-per-view telecast. It's here tonight, live from Fort Lauderdale. From a junker. You could see Rockweilers. You could see hubcaps, bumpers, fenders, anything you could imagine. In a junkyard, not in a bakery. You're not going to see. I, you know what I mean. I, this is going to be a great fight. It's going to be it's going to be a very unique fight. And, you know, we have seen many hardcore matches with ladders and 
in the tins and trash cans, but uh, they'll be able to peel parts of automobile or trucks off and use them tonight. You ever been in a junkyard match? Of course not. You ever been in a fight in a car? Well, uh, yeah, a different type of fight in a car. Well, you know the Kowalski sisters then. Well, no, I was talking about kind of a family fight, but nothing like we're going to oh, see Oh, no, tonight. I was talking about something else. I remember one time we went to a drive-in movie years ago, and I... We don't I need to hear this story. We don't need it. We don't want to hear this story. Oh, what a fight, though. We were but, outside. Was, I bet you Remember were. the speakers how it used to be on the on the post? Yes. Well, she took this one, and... Not the one. It's not, it's, it's not Fans, like you're going to see. In a few moments, we are going to see some of the toughest men ever and here was one man who set it all up it was hat he botches a joke he was trying to talk about junkyards and got lost and tony busted his balls about it the official competitors for this match the junkyard invitation did you actually get competitors because i couldn't even keep up i you have a list i'm depending on wikipedia but oh, okay I'm glad, is, I'm glad you have a list because i couldn't keep up oh you would never know i tried from it. watching I, I really i watched this match rewind go again rewind go <laughs> trying to write every single person it's like trying to watch a movie and pick out all the celebrity cameos it's yeah just try to pick out the celebrity wrestlers uh, yeah it really was we have fit finley okay cycloplay 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 Jerry Flynn, Brian Knobs, Hugh Morris, Horace Hogan, Hardcore Hack Sandman, which is Hardcore Hack is Sandman, Johnny Johnny Grunge, Rocco Rock, Silver King, Laparka, Stephen Regal, Dave Taylor, and Mikey Whipwreck. I think that's everybody. I had to go back and I add didn't a even couple. get Steve Regal. I got Dave Taylor. Yeah, Steve Regal's in it on the screen, I'd say, for half a second. Like, yeah, I, I think one of the announcers <laughs> say, and there's Steve Regal. Yeah, I didn't And that's even. it. I didn't even realize that. We go to this junkyard. It is pitch black at night. They did not spring for any lighting. They had some lights, but they were it's because far they, away. Okay, it's also because they thought that making a ring of cars and putting two barrels fire with fire was going to light this entire area. Not only that, I just think, wrestle around these open flames of of barrels of flyer, you know. Well, in a, in a dark junkyard where there's who knows what in the ground, you know, yeah. like nails and screws and bolts yeah. and just all sorts of garbage. Not only that, but then so they paid for this helicopter, but they only put like two cameramen on the ground to actually capture all these competitors. Yeah. And it's not just narrowed down to like a small portion of the junkyard. What I thought about this match after I watched it is if they started the match close to that cage where or that wall that Finley had to climb over to win the match, if they started there and kept it really narrow and maybe one or two wrestlers go do a spot in the junkyard and yeah. the camera follows them, this might have worked. But this is... They gave him the whole... The area they enclosed for this junkyard match was so massive. Yeah. It looked like a prison break. It, yeah, it really did. It, it was so massive to, if you haven't seen it and you're listening, it was so massive that the helicopter camera still couldn't pick up everybody because they were separated so much. Yeah, and the, and the helicopters only got a spotlight that can only pick out one or two wrestlers at a time. Yeah. You know? And like, they're, they're, this is, yeah, this is beyond a mess. This is... Yeah. This is a clusterfuck, a classic WCW clusterfuck. It's dark. They're garbage fires. Right off the bat, we get Johnny Grunge shoving a car off another car, which could have killed somebody had they just not known that that spot was going to happen and had been walking by. Also, I noticed in the process, 
It's like they cut to that, they come back, they cut to that again. And it's like the guys aren't doing anything and they wait and watch the light for the camera to go on. Like, oh, it's on us. And then start like pounding away at each other. Yeah, I mean, how would you know? <laughs> yeah. And that was throughout this entire match, by the way. Yeah. By the way, Johnny Grunge, just as public enemies returned to the WCW after a brief flirt with the WWF. Things didn't go well in WWF when they went there. Jerry Flynn, he tries to electrocute a wrestler who's on a car. He shoves an electrical thing up this guy's butt, basically. I don't know which wrestler it was. <laughs> I love this. He takes it, he shoves it on the car, he pulls it back, and shoves it again. Then, the second time, it sparks. Yeah. Very cheap special effects here. Yes. Brian Nobbs and Silver King battle on the top of a car. We get Nobbs suplexing. Oh, Nobbs suplexes Silver King onto the va- onto the roof of a van. Chairs are being used. Uh, yeah, LaParka brought his chair with him. LaParka brought a chair to a junkyard match. LaParka, who was known, I mean, he the chairman. Was, he was the chairman. He brought the chair with him. Wrestlers used garbage can lids near some of the cars. Sandman, finally. This was his match, and you don't even find him until about halfway through. He's on the top of a red car. You can only see him from the helicopter shot. Jimmy Hart is, for some reason, on a car directing Hugh Morris. (laughs) Jimmy Hart is in this garbage, this junkyard's custom jersey. Like... They allowed them to do this match at this junkyard if Jimmy Hart will wear their logo jersey. And and a helmet, and a, and a like helmet. a bicycle a helmet. A bicycle helmet. He looks so weird not being in his sunglasses and yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Well, if he had sunglasses on out there, he was screwed because he wouldn't be able to see anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was pitch black. He, it might have been better with the sunglasses on, though, <laughs> based on what we saw here. Then uh, Hugh Morris falls into a car after missing a splash. Like hit a, like that real glass on a car. It doesn't break so easy when yeah. you when you try to go through it. The shaky camera. They're doing shaky camera stuff, but I don't think it's on purpose. I think the camera people are just they're actually conf- probably tripping over stuff. <laughs> yeah, they like might the- fall into a barrel of fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean they this ground was not even. There was holes and everything, so they were probably falling all over. But you had guys, like, picking up bumpers of cars. Yeah. And I think at one time, Brian Nobbs had a hood of a car. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean. Silver King risks his life by landing a big splash on the competitors from a car that was probably 20 feet in the air. Yeah. He trusted these guys enough to catch him from that jump. I love Hack when he's in the process of that. Oh, yeah. He's like, hey, hold on a second. He goes, Brian, come here. (laughs) He waves him over, and the camera is dead on him. Yeah. Same man's like. Brian, Brian Knobs and all them, them battle over to him. He's like, Brian, come here, and waves him over. Finley annihilates everyone with garbage can lids. Then Hugh Morris chucks himself into a car, and it looks like he gets injured from the real glass, yes, puncturing him. Yeah, he does. The uh, We cut back to him later, and his uh, his arm was just covered in blood. I'm sure he had to get... Finley takes a car's hood and was going to level Knobs with it, but it gets kicked away, so we, we don't get that big spot of getting hit with the hood. Bobby says it was a hood of a 57 Chevy. So. Don't, I don't think I, d- it I doubt that. But, yeah. Rocco, Rock, and Horace head for the exit. They're ready to leave. Why didn't you do this to begin the match? That's what I If you know be. this is the how to win the match, just run for the exit. <laughs> Scott, Dickers, uh, Scott Dickinson, he's the ref that's doing this unsanctioned match. He watches as Rocco, Rock, tries to escape. 
but Horace stops him. Bobby says, <laughs> so sarcastic here, Bobby says, what a great fight this has been. This is great. A fire can has spilled over, and now the route to escape out of this junkyard is covered with fire. Yeah. So the very way out of this thing, the, the way out of this match now is even more dangerous because there is a trail of fire. You have to go the longer way around. Finley and Sandman, they head towards the exit. Sandman goes to a trunk and tries to put Finley in the trunk. He does. Then a forklift, the junkyard operator, decides to help out Sandman, (laughs) picks up Finley, and is going to crush the car with Finley, going to murder this man. (laughs) But Finley, luckily, pops out. Just in the nick of time. They do put the car in the crusher, and it's very unsatisfying as it comically explodes with some sparks, but they don't actually crush the car. Yeah. Finley stumbles to the gate as a jalopy explodes. A car explodes. He kicked over another fire (laughs) can, basically. Oh, yeah. This is to keep the guys from following And 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 we're talking like he stands there and he's waiting on this big explosion. And like he's waiting, he's waiting. He goes, fuck it, and turns around and walks off. And then all at once, like the pyro guy hit it and this huge explosion (laughs) from this car. And you see Finley turn back around because he's Yeah, that'd like, be Holy scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finley climbs over the fence and wins the junkyard invitational as we go to the helicopter shot and see the junkyard is basically on fire now. Completely. In 13 minutes, 41 seconds, Tony says Finley is the, quote, unofficial hardcore junkyard champion. What an honor. And they handed him, that's what I thought was hilarious, is they did. If you go back and watch, they handed him the hardcore title. Not the trophy. Not the trophy. After they made such a big deal about this damn trophy. What'd you think of this match, Patrick? <laughs> this was a cluster. If was it who was it that did the uh was it Cyclopay or that did the Swanton? Oh, Silver King. Was it Silver King that did the Swanton onto the top of the, the van? I don't know who did that one. Somebody did a swanton onto the top of this van, and the roof of this van practically collapses underneath this person. Who in the hell thought that was a good idea is what I want to know, because whoever it was just lay there the rest of the match, because they didn't move. Yeah, the guys got injured from this match. I tried to look up you know specifics, but I've heard stories that people really got hurt. Finley got hurt from this match and couldn't, couldn't capitalize on the momentum from this match because he had to miss time. So this really? hardcore division sort of got off on the wrong foot right out of the gate because their top guy, they they hurt him in this stupid match. Yeah. That you couldn't even get, we don't even get the benefit of seeing how these guys got hurt because it's so damn dark. Yeah. I mean, in that one, you're, there's a way to make this okay. Yeah. It's a good idea. Do not get me wrong. I'm not denying. Oh, on paper. On this paper, is another WCW idea on paper, on paper. I'm like, this is not a bad idea. Like, you know, you have a boiler room match. You have a junkyard match. Yeah. Like, on paper, this is a good idea. But key elements, like the sun being up. <laughs> the stipulation, too, is not properly explained. Like, that they have to climb the fence or. Yeah. Or what logic why wouldn't they all just run for the fence? Yeah. I mean, but this is part of, this is just WC, this is WCW summed up from 99 and 2000 onward. I mean, this is a perfect metaphor for this company, a, a junkyard that's on fire. I mean, this is the same company that also had Dustin Rhodes and 
Black, Black Top, Top Bully. Bully. King of the Road. Wrestling Helicopter the on an 18-wheeler. 18-wheeler. Yeah. So, I mean... You know. Kudos for giving it a try. Yeah, and I'm not denying the fact that I wouldn't like to see it again, but let's do it where we can all actually see it. Tag team title match is next. It's the Jersey Triad. They are going to take on Benoit and Saturn. Bada bing. This all started when the Jersey Triad, which is DDP, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Canyon, jumped them at the water cooler. Bada boom. What's the last part of this? Bada bang. Sorry. I said these... I thought that was a hilarious catch line, though. I like the Jersey Triad. I, I like. These I did guys too. Yeah, it they was. Sh- it was a lot like. Um, really and truly, they ripped off ECW. They ripped off Shane Douglas, right. the Triple Threat. Yeah, yeah. They. This is this is their version of the Triple Threat, which. Now the Jersey Triad, they use a modified Freebird rule so they can all actually be in the match. They don't have to designate who's going to be in the tag team match. So it's basically a handicap match here. Yeah. Three on two. You, can, you can't have all three on the apron at once, but you can have one jump to the floor and the other one jump up and take your place. Right. Which is brilliant. I think that's the best way to do it. I mean, if they're, if they're a heel group, they can't be like the New Day and do that. But DDP is going to start the match with Saturn. Saturn cleans house and tags in Benoit. Benoit gets in with Bam Bam Bigelow. Tony calls Benoit an uncrowned champion. Well, he's right. Bigelow is completely outclassed by Benoit, who whips him around the ring and then drop kicks him to the outside. Canyon and Saturn tag in. Saturn tries to German Canyon, but he grabs the ref instead to block it. He eventually does get a T-bone suplex on Chris Canyon after Benoit Hits him. So, Benoit helps him get that suplex. Benoit then tags in. We get a snap suplex on Canyon, who puts him in a lion tamer, which Tony doesn't call a lion tamer. It's a tribute to Chris Jericho, who's about to leave the company and was left off this pay-per-view out of spite because he's going to be in the WWF next month. So, his his boy Chris Benoit doing a little uh, shout-out to him. Saturn and Benoit blow snot on a down Canyon. This is worse than spitting on that somebody. Is that is awesome. Because if you blow snot on me, you want tr- true aggression. <laughs> I will blow up on. I don't care if it's a work or not. I don't. You blow snot on me, like you really actually do it. Because they did. Like you actually see it come out and fall on him. Oh, yeah, that's gross. I'm kicking somebody's ass. It's way worse than spit. Oh, yeah. Canyon spends this entire match basically just getting his ass kicked. Benoit crushes Canyon's legs in the ropes. Saturn tags in, and they wishbone Canyon's legs. Saturn hits the Alabama jam on Canyon for a two-count before DDP breaks it up. Saturn gets sent to the outside, which allows Bam Bam, uh, Bam Bam to beat him up. It's all legal in this match. Bam Bam tags in and hits a long-delayed vertical suplex on Saturn, followed by a headbutt. He gets a two-count before Benoit breaks it up. Bobby asks Tony if he would get a tattoo on his bald head. Tony no-sells the question. Canyon tags in and attempts something off the top rope, but is crotched, and Saturn belly-to-bellies him off the top rope. Then we get Benoit wiping out the jersey triad before DDP catches him with a top rope clothesline. DDP goes to the other turnbuckle, but slips and falls to the outside. Hilarious, because he covers it by, like, 
going and getting on the guardrail and yeah. posing. Yeah. Like, oh, I planned that. Yeah. Canyon tags in and lights up Benoit with some chops. We get asshole chant breaking out for Canyon, who's... Canyon got a lot of heat from the crowd, so... Canyon knew how to work the crowd. He Very he underrated. Really, yes. Very. Like, just like Johnny B. Bad. A uh, very I underrated know, guy. No. The fact that you even mentioned the two of them together is a sin, okay? Bam Bam gets back in the ring and keeps Benoit from getting the tag, the hot tag to Saturn. Canyon tags in and levels Benoit with a swinging neckbreaker. DDP tags in and hits a big sit-down powerbomb, but only gets a two-count. Bigelow gets in the ring and nearly breaks his neck by trying a moonsault on Chris Benoit. He almost didn't make the full rotation. Right. DDP and Saturn get the hot tags. Saturn belly-to-bellies DDP, super kicks Canyon, and then clotheslines himself and DDP out of the ring. Saturn and Benoit go up to the opposite corners. Saturn hits a splash. Benoit hits the flying headbutt on Bigelow. DDP, though, remember, is the legal man. Canyon hits Saturn with freedom powder. The powder blinds DDP, who accidentally diamond cuts Canyon. Right. Then DDP gets German suplex by Benoit, but only a two count. The crowd bit on the false finish here. The ref takes a ref bump. They bring in a garbage can and destroy Benoit with it and hit a double-team diamond cutter on Saturn for the win. Bigelow lifts him up and DDP diamond cuts him. And they hit this on Saturn and the Jersey Triad get the win and keep the tag team titles in 23 minutes, 16 seconds. This was... Easily the match of the night. The greatest match on this paper. <laughs> well, before you said on this pay per view, I was really worried about where you were going, but on this pay per view, this was without a doubt match of the night. Well, and it's because of who's involved in this match. And- I, I have what a match. Holy cow. Wow. And because I just kept my jaw just kept dropping on false finishes like crazy. I thought that the first half of the match was kind of slow, but uh, once it's it had a slow start, but you. It's yeah, steady, and it worked. It worked all the way up to that peak, man. It was yeah. Towards the end, it got really, really good. I thought, but <laughs> just like everything else on this card, it's like this is just off some random thunder. Yeah, we jump the Jersey Triad jumped them for no reason. So it's like there's no heat on the match. Yeah, the crowd did respond because the match was going so well, and Canyon was really playing them up. So. Kudos to everybody for trying. Sad part about this, only two guys out of these five people are still alive today. It's crazy to think about. But there you go. The oh, match of the damn, night. dude. That is sad. Yeah. Out of five guys, DDP and Saturn are the only two alive. Yeah. Holy shit. I did... Wow. That I is mean, sad. Yeah. Only happened, well, now it's 18 years. Wow. Time is flying by. Right. Up next, here you go. Here's your match of the night, Patrick. I know you said you liked the last one, but I think you like this one more. Let's get it on! Roddy Piper and Buff Bagwell are going to have their boxing match, which was also made on Nitro for no apparent reason. Michael Buffer gets to intro this match. He was a boxing announcer guy, so this actually makes sense for him. RPVP is out first. He's got Ric Flair in his corner. Buff Bagwell is out next doing his buff strut. He's got his robe and boxing gloves. He looks absolutely ridiculous. His one-two on his boxing gloves. Oh, I I love that. Well, I hope you use that as our picture for this. 
is his one-two punch on his boxing gloves. Buff gets on the mic and says, hey, you've got a corner man. I've got a corner man, too. More like a corner person. Judge Judy, Judy Bagwell. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Wow. Our second Judy Bagwell sighting on Retro Wrestling Podcast. Judy she got a lot of work in WCW. How old is this woman? And this really is, is this really Yeah, his that's mother? his mom, yeah. This is his real mom. legit. Okay. I don't I know, know how old she is at this point. Buff's 49 now. Yeah, so she's probably in her 70s then, I would say. Judy Bagwell is in a Judy Bagwell airbrushed t-shirt. With it's, her son. Yes. She trips on the way to the ring. And it's on pretty. the back of it, it says, as she trips, you see the back of it, and it says, Judge Judy. She's got a pin or a cigarette in her ear. I like to think that it's a cigarette. No, it's one of those long uh, Q-tips that they used to, in boxing, to close up uh Oh, close up the Vaseline. With the Vaseline on to close up cuts. That really, that I found hilarious, because she wouldn't even know how to use it. And yeah, it's in there. So Tony tells us this will be 10 three-minute rounds. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Take a seat. When, when he said Strap that, I, in. When he said that, I really was like, if they go 10 rounds, I swear to you, I'm turning this off and we're done. Half an hour of this <laughs> would have, yeah, this would have been even more epic yeah. if it really did go the distance. Piper easily gets the most strikes at first. Buff's punches aren't even connecting uh, very well. I said, oh man, this is bad. The first boxing match with no defense. These guys don't even try to block punches at all. Piper knocks Bagwell down. Mills Lane doesn't even administer a count. He's not even doing... They brought this guy in. Yeah. Because he's a great ref. Yeah. And he's not even administering a count when Bagwell gets knocked down. And and, I also want to specify here. Roddy Piper actually did have a boxing background. Buff Bagwell did too, apparently. Did Buff, really? Yeah, but not not as famous as Roddy Piper's because of, of course, the match with Mr. T at WrestleMania. Well, I mean, even before that, Piper actually, yeah. as a teenager, before he got into wrestling, had to box just to survive for, for money for food to eat. And so, so, and another thing, let's. I just want to throw this out there. Roddy Piper's shoot interviews, if you can find them, just sit down and watch one of them. This this guy is a true legend. Had a terrible, hard childhood. Uh, so uh, so yeah. Piper knocks Bagwell down. Mills Lane doesn't even administer a count. Oh, then the timer shows up on the screen. Thank goodness. Yeah. This match followed a shitty kickboxing match on Nitro between Jerry Flynn and the Cat. We got to miss that one. So this is wow. Th- we had kickboxing to regular boxing. Yes. Well, and they. The one that between the cat and Jerry Flynn on Nitro was terrible, but yet they still went ahead and said, this is still a good idea. We'll still do this on Sunday. Bagwell lands a good right hook. Piper headbutts him after the bell rings. So scoring for round one, who do you give round one to, Patrick? Piper. Oh, Piper, easily. He was all, I'd say it's a 10-8 round probably on the UFC scorecard anyway. Flair sprays some stuff on Piper's gloves. He's just wiping it off. That's what Bobby said. He's just cleaning his gloves. He's doing his job. Making them good and shiny. Round two starts. Now the rounds are only two minutes long, so Tony didn't even know the rules for this match. Buff gets the substance in his eyes from Piper's gloves. This allows Piper to tee off on Bagwell again. 
He's on one knee, and Mills Lane lets Piper strike him while he's on a knee. Mills Lane is not doing good, a very good job here to sell me on the idea that he's now a good I know ref. Why, now I know why Tyson was able to bite Holyfield's ear off. Just saying. Piper lands a kidney punch on Bagwell, and finally this knocks him down. Mills Lane doesn't count again. Instead, he just checks on Bagwell. Are you okay? Are you okay? Piper tees off on Bagwell in the corner. Then Bagwell rebounds and knocks Piper down. Finally, Mills Lane does administer a count to Piper on this this knockdown. He's showing some favoritism here and only counting when Piper hits his ass on the floor. Yeah. So. But the round is over, so no. Saved by the bell. Saved by the bell. But I would still say Piper won round two as well, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. Piper's ahead on the scorecard major. He's way ahead. We've still got eight more rounds to go, right? Whoo, man. It's going to be a long night. Round three starts. Piper tees off on Bagwell until Judy. Judy gets in the ring and bites Roddy Piper's ear. Yes. They're referencing an event that happened in 1997. It's 1999 now. The Mills Lane was the referee. The Mike Tyson Holyfield ear biting happened two years ago. This is how wrestling operates on pop culture. They're just so late to the party. And and, and the bad part about it is is they come off. Tyson did a WWF away. <laughs> okay. Tyson ninety seven. Tyson bites Holyfield's ear off. Evander Holyfield's ear. Evander then goes into somewhat of retirement, whatever. Tyson goes and does WWF. They wait a full year and a half, WCW does, to jump on this whole aspect of, holy crap, this is, because this at the time was all over media, like news sports-wise. Well, when it originally happened. When it originally happened. And so, I understand, like, if you can't get Tyson, get Mills Lane. Or get Holyfield, Atlanta native Evander Holyfield. Yeah, but why wait a year and a half (laughs) before jumping on this bandwagon? Yeah, this is... Where Tyson was, like, what, three months, and he was in in the WrestleMania workup? I mean, it wasn't that much longer after. Oh, no, he was was still, he was very hot, you know? He he still had blood, he still had Evander Holyfield's blood in his mouth. I mean, he, and was jumping on the bandwagon for WrestleMania. Yeah, you can't, you can't sleep on opportunities like this or whatever, so. Right. It would be like if in 99, they did Carl Malone, Dennis Rodman, like a year after the NBA finals, like. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense anymore. Strike while the iron's hot. So Judy Bagwell jumps in the ring, bites Piper's ear, then dumps water on Rowdy Rowdy Piper, who gets knocked down by Bagwell. Then Bagwell climbs to the top turnbuckle, hits a buff blockbuster, and covers Piper for a pinfall in this boxing match. And Mills Lane counts the one, the two, the three. And somehow Buff Bagwell wins a boxing match with a pinfall 36 seconds into the third round. (laughs) What the fuck? Ref, referee Patrick Young. This is some of the worst officiating I've ever seen. This is bad. And <laughs> this is bad. No, no boxing match ends with pinfalls. Or well, the fact that she he allowed Judy Bagwell to bite. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know where to start. There's so much wrong with this match that occurred. And, and you know, the legendary career of Roddy Piper 
luckily did not suffer from being a part of this match because if it did, I would probably hate WC because this match was bad. This match was probably the worst match. <laughs> WCW. I mean, this is right up there with Viagra on a pole. Okay. Well, see, the thing is, we just saw the Junkyard Invitational, so you're getting some of the worst back on the same card. Two of the yeah. worst things that they've ever done. Yeah. In the ring. But of course, you know, we still have a David Arquette title win to come in WCW's history. So. Well, we we haven't hit rock bottom. What? Let's. I'm glad you even brought that up. One match separates a junkyard fight, which was a cluster, a possible worst boxing match of all time, and a cluster of a main event with made-up rules. Yeah. Yeah. WCW was really sinking here. Yeah, they almost... If they had not had that Benoit and Saturn match in there, this would have been... Probably the trifecta, the three yeah. greatest back-to-back matches yeah. ever. Up next, it's time for the main event, which is all about Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash is the booker at this time in WCW, so of course, make the whole thing about you. Kevin Nash stole Macho Man's ladies. Sid stole Nash's belt. Sting saved Nash from a beatdown. But then ran him over. But then is the alleged driver of the Hummer, which never got resolved. Did the Hummer run him over? It hit his limo okay, that he was limo. in. Okay. Now, this is was this the second time they brought the black Hummer back or the first time? Remember, I, one time it was actually Scott Hall. <laughs> it was a lot of people. There were a lot of people in that Hummer. That drove that black Hummer. And so, I think it was legitimately, I believe it was a reinforced, it was Hulk Hogan's. It's a special well, reinforced Hummer. Sometimes, though, when they cut away from it, you'd see the Hummer change to a white Hummer. Oh, really? Yeah, because they uh-huh. weren't very good about remembering. You know, it was a production error or whatever. Yeah. So, a lot of people are in this Hummer. A lot of people want Kevin Nash dead for some reason in this Hummer. Are they jumping? Well, no. This is before Austin's rundown. So, wow. So Holy almost crap. the WWF copied them. Almost, yeah. The WWF ran Austin down after... I did it for The Rock. Yeah. At least there was some resolution there. Wow. Okay. So WWF actually took a line out of WCW's playbook. Yeah, they said this That's is a, rare. Sounds good. That's rare. That's very rare. So anyway, despite this, despite the fact that Sting might have run him over, he's going to allow him to be his tag partner here tonight for whatever reason. The title is on the line in this tag team match. We discussed this earlier that Sid can Sid can win the belt, Macho Man can win the belt, and Sting can win the belt, but it's unclear to me who Sting has to pin to win the belt. Sting has to pin Nash. He has but to pin the champ. He can't be the legal man. He that's once if he turns if he attacks his opponent or if he attacks, turns on Nash. If he turns and attacks his his tag partner, Nash, then he is proceeded to be the legal man within within the match with Nash. Why wouldn't you just make this a fatal four-way match I don't to begin know. with? Because they didn't want Sid and Savage wrestling each other. <laughs> okay. I'm with you. This yeah, is I'm, of the mind of Kevin Nash. Yeah. What up, Mach? He's out first with Mrs. Mad... Well, Miss Madness. Medusa and Gorgeous George and Sid just walks out behind them. Do you know who Miss Madness is? That's Molly Holly. That right? is Molly Holly. Very Correct. Very good. 
Sting, he gets his own entrance. He walks out alone. So is he going to turn on Kevin Nash, isn't he? We don't know. He's walking out alone. Kevin Nash, he comes out to the Wolfpack theme. And then here we go. And then I wrote down again, how is Sting going to pin Nash and be the legal man at the same time? But under your rules, as soon as he strikes him, he becomes... He becomes the legal man. It becomes three on one. That is what I... When I did research, I actually went back to old Nitro's and tried to do research to get the exact rules. I spent about four hours looking to try to get this exactly the best way to explain this on the on this radio show. And that is the way it was explained that I could figure out. So Sting will start against Macho Man. Gorgeous George goes over to Nash's corner because on the previous Nitros, Gorgeous George had been kidnapped by Nash, and it was heavily implied that Nash raped this prisoner that he took he basically kidnapped gorgeous george wow had his way with her and she liked it that's what we're supposed to infer okay well i, I know she lifts her eye her sunglasses up. yeah it looks like she's got a black eye and it's what well, you know it's makeup but yeah yeah the make- that's what i'm glad that you noticed that too because i thought well maybe she's just wearing a lot of makeup well, but she she walks over to nash and so it's like well no i choose him because he's not going to beat up on me Right, at the end of the Nitro, Macho Man gets her back, but he's angry, and yeah. so he beats her. So okay, she is that can either, what it is? So okay. he can either go... She's stuck in a really tough place here because she's basically choosing her rapist over her abuser. Yes. That's terrible stuff, but that's what that's what is implied. That really is what WCW wanted to go with, and so unfortunately, yes. So Gorgeous George goes over to Nash's corner, so we think that she's turned on the macho man. I say she's sporting a black eye, and I think that we're supposed to assume that Macho Man gave it to her. Sting attacks Macho Man, who is stalking George on the outside of the ring. Macho Man quickly tags Sid in. Sting takes Sid down with a crossbody and clotheslines Sid to the outside. Medusa and Miss Madness jump Sting behind Nick Patrick's back. Sid locks in the camel clutch on Sting for an ice age before Nash breaks it up. Okay, what happens if what happens if Macho Man or Sid pins Sting? Then they win the title. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah. Well, how is that fair? Nash does not have to be pinned to lose the title. Okay. I'm still very confused by okay, that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I no, get it now. Okay, let me explain it. Let me I'm gonna explain it real quick. I'm gonna lay it out. I thought Nash if, had to be the if one. If Nash or Sting is pinned, yes. Whoever makes that pinfall wins. Is the champ. Is the champ. Okay. If Sting turns and hits Nash, he becomes the legal person and he can then make the pinfall and become the champ. Does that make sense? He has to pin Nash, though. He has to pin Nash, though. Well, see, the rules wouldn't. The rules favor Macho Man and Sid then because well, I mean, they could it pin would have made more sense. You might be right. I might have still took it wrong. It might have been you had to pin Nash to be champ. I don't. I don't know. You had, it doesn't this matter. Was, this this is stupid. Cluster. It doesn't. This is a cluster. Okay, proceed. So Nash, Nash and Macho Man are now the legal men. Nash cleans house by dropping Sid with a sidewalk slam. He chokes Macho Man with the big boot in the corner. Nash crotch chops at Macho Man and Sid, and then tags Sting back in. You would think that this guy 
would want to just take care of things because who knows if you can trust Sting. He just right. seems like, all right, I trust you, buddy. Get in there and do it for us. Sting tries a stinger splash on Macho Man, who was against a guardrail, but misses, and then gets attacked by Sid, Medusa, and Miss Madness. Sid tags in and locks Sting in a headlock. Sting fires up and gets out of it, gets Nash the hot tag, who sidewalk slams Sid and boots Macho Man. Sting gets in to help, but is attacked by Medusa and Miss Madness. He headbutts them together, and Stinger splashes the women. Oh, what a face. Sting beating up women. Then he Stinger splashes Nash, Nash by accident. Or did he? We don't know. I think he did by accident. Sid chokeslams Sting and rolls him out of the ring. He's not the legal man. Nash no. is the legal man. Nash tries to powerbomb Macho Man, but is uppercut by Gorgeous George, who turns back to Macho Man. Double turn. Pulls off the successful double turn. She, she, no, she uppercuts him and doesn't go low enough and oh. jabs him in the asshole. So then she gets actually kneels down the next time and hits him with a full-blown uppercut. Low blow. So she low blows him twice. The second one actually okay. was effective. And so then... Then he, Sid slams him. And Savage... Sid is cool with Savage just winning the belt. He stands by and lets Savage hits the top rope elbow for the three. And Randy Savage gets his final world title in 13 minutes, 20 seconds. Macho Man puts the belt and the girl on his shoulder, like an old uh, a reference to Miss Elizabeth back in the day, and he celebrates. Tony says, what is Nitro going to be like tomorrow? And we just go to black, just like that. Wow. This was uh, the logic in this match. It, yeah. Okay. If you are going to tease the dissension with Sting that Sting is going to turn on Nash. Why does he not... It should be more than just an accidental Sting or Splash, you know, randomly. Sting wrestled this just like a regular tag match. There was no hints of any dissension between them at all. And then even when he does hit that Sting or Splash, it was just by accident. It's obvious it was by accident, yeah. So, what the fuck? (laughs) I don't know, man. This is one you will have to actually ask Kevin Nash next time we're we're to show with him. Well, I mean, the next night on Nitro is why he needed to get the belt off of him because he didn't want to job to Hogan. Macho Man jobs to Hogan the very next night on Nitro and loses the belt. So that's the the real reason, but this the logic of this match. Sting has no business in this feud. Yeah, I mean, it could have been better if they had left Sting out completely and made it like, listen, Nash is going into a two-on-one, and but he's Kevin Nash. You know what I'm saying? Right. And he, he kicks ass, takes names, but at the end of the day, he just still couldn't, he overcome, couldn't overcome it. Yeah. overcome those odds. But yet they threw Sting in there with some weird... The Hummer thing. Yeah. But I don't... Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't explain... Most of what happened on this pay-per-view, other than to say... And this is sad that this was Savage's last title run. Yeah, a whole 24 hours. hours. Another one ended by Hogan. Hogan has something to do with all of his title wins, basically. And does it to him one more time. So, what did you think about Bash at the Beach 1999, Patrick? Last week, you said, it's so bad, it's good. (laughs) 
That, I think, is the best statement to completely describe this pay-per-view. Well, I think any wrestling fan should see it. Yes. Because... Because it is memorable. It hurts my... It hurts my brain to think about the decisions that were made on this pay-per-view. Right. And that people paid money to see this. Right. Somebody, hardcore WCW fans, had probably been watching for 30 years, stuck with them after the finger poke of doom. Mm-hmm. They paid money to see this, Patrick. Yes. This is what they were rewarded with yes. for all those years of patronage, <laughs> all those years of suffering. This is what they got. You got a boxing match. And in a pinfall. And in a pinfall. You got a cluster of a main event that turned out to be one of the greatest of all times, last title match. Or last title win. A 24-hour title reign meant nothing. You got... Saw a Nitro, they were going to invalidate. This meant nothing. Yeah. You got a junkyard brawl. Yeah, which they showed you could have been taking place at daylight. <laughs> and they showed you how it could have been. And not to say that would have saved it. It still would have been a clusterfuck. Even but it would have been, I, I would have, it would have been 10 times better if you did it at daylight, just so people could see. Zero times 10 is still zero. So You had a... David Flair beating Dean Malenko. Yes. Cleanly. You by had, interference. You had on paper... Sounded good. The the uh, eight man tag. Oh yeah, the West Texas Rednecks on paper. Swole. Country, country and Western versus rap on paper. That would sell anywhere, especially back in you know we're hitting the ninety nine two thousand era when rap was really getting hot. Also, this whole thing is set up on the No Limit Soldiers. Master P didn't even bother showing up for this. Yeah, I don't get that. If you're going to spend the money to bring this guy aboard for a Nitro appearance, he needs to be there the to payoff. Finish. Yeah. I agree. Dancing match. Oh, yes, the opening, the opening match. By the way, Rey Mysterio was the cruiserweight champ was wasted in that West Texas Rednecks thing. Yes. So, you usually these WCW pay-per-views open up with that hot cruiserweight match. No, not tonight. You, you had- got the Cat and Disco Inferno. And then they the stipulation of the match. Why even mention it that it got canceled? Why not just say, just act like it never happened? Because you know, right? Watching this back, we didn't watch all the television leading up to it, so we wouldn't have known that the the dancing stipulation was on there. So right off the bat, you tell us, oh, this match that you thought meant something, it doesn't mean anything. But retrospectively, retroactively, just leave that. Don't even mention it. Don't now. mention it and just it's go just with a it. regular match. Yeah, Van Hammer finally get his chance and gets oh man crushed to nothing. The yeah. only match on here worth watching is Bigelow, DDP, and Canyon against Saturn and Benoit. But it's not worth sitting through this nearly three-hour show to watch this one match. Eight matches, and only one was worth watching. But you really should see the Junkyard Invitational. And and the boxing, believe it or not, just for what it was. Just because it's... And it's so random. It's just so random that this happened. And the main event, I mean, just if for all Macho fans out there, Macho Man fans, you know, you should should watch it. If you want to see all... Yeah, the final 
Macho Man title win. But, uh, yeah, man. Where the woman chose her abuser to go back to and got him the belt. The abuser's better than the rapist. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. That is what you led me to believe now about this match. That's the moral of the story. That we're <laughs> like, so, I mean, up. he put her on her shoulder. That is what you led me to believe. I still believe it was just a ploy as an act that he didn't really abuse her. It was the black eye was actually well, makeup and it was an act. That last scene of Nitro, it's not shown what he does to Gorgeous George, but he does smack Tori Wilson in the back. Have you seen this? No, I have it's not. A popular, it's a popular uh, thing on Botchamania. It's called Sin for the Man. And I'll, I'll pull it up for you. Let me see it without audio. Let me see it without audio. Now, while we are on the, while we're on the air here, let me see it without audio. Okay, Savage has gotten mad and turned over the table. He's getting on the gorgeous. Oh, he smacked the hell out of Tori. Yeah, that's so he did hit a woman, but oh, and then he throws her. See? Yeah, he ripped her shirt and threw. Okay, I'm with you. All right. So that's what that's all about. Yeah. Okay. Sin for the man. Sin for the so that's man. that's our hero, I guess. That's our hero's journey. Or he's the bad guy. Or he's the that was the one thing overall on this pay per view. Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy in any of these matches? Yeah, you Who, didn't have a clear baby or heel. You know the Attitude Era. Steve Austin did heel type things, but he was rebelling against. He was a baby. Because he was rebelling against the authority. Right. But here it's just, <laughs> you don't know what their like motivation. Who, who is the authority, really? Like, Buff Bagwell is always, you know, even, was Buff Bagwell a face in that match versus Piper? Who yes. am I supposed to, yes. he's the, I'm supposed to be rooting for him. Buff is the face. And his mom cheats. And his mom cheats for him. To and win. then he gets a pinfall. Because you have, you have crooked. The corrupt. RPVP. The authority. So he's the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes. Imagine if if Stone Cold Steve Austin's mom came out and threw something in Vince McMahon's yes. face to that was our hero's journey. And yes. Okay. And WC or WWE actually tried to do this yet again with uh, Mama Benjamin. Do you remember Shelton Benjamin bringing his mama to the ring? No. You do not remember Mama Benjamin. No. Shelton Benjamin. You need to look that up now. So Patrick. Well, it's the rating scale first. Uh, yes, we need to rate. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to get past this. <laughs> I'm going to give this not a Max Mini, not a Hornswoggle. I will give this a Spike Dudley because it is worth it is worth seeing. It's terrible, but it's still worth seeing. I was going to go with a Ray Mysterio. So. Wow, that's maskless Ray Mysterio. Of yeah, course. maskless. All right, Patrick, it is your pick. So, You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that. You, you, It's so bad, it's good. Yeah. To counteract your it's so bad, it's good, I picked one of my own. It is so bad, it's good. We're going to have WWE versus WCW and ECW in WWE's Invasion. Wow, the Invasion pay-per-view. Yes, the 
final. No, Survivor Series was the Survivor final. Survivor Series was the down. final. This was the kickoff, but still, this was technically the so the invasion pay per view. Something a pay per view and an angle that the WWE wants us to forget ever happened. The invasion. It's never referenced. Never. And I don't know why that is. Do you know why that is? I think just because they're so ashamed of it. It's sort of like Katie Vick or... Katie Vick. Now, that's another one that we are ashamed of. All right. Well, that'll do it. I don't want to spoil any of the matches on the exciting... What is it called? Invasion. Invasion. I wanted to call it the Alliance. But that's what... The Alliance is what WCW and ECW were. Yes, it's it's called Invasion, even though most of the wrestlers in the Alliance were already there. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> okay. Invasion, well, I mean, you, I mean, pull it up. Let's see what we got here. Let's. It's not as bad as you think. It's a really good. I, it's one of my go-tos. We get the Team Alliance, Booker T, DDP, Rhino, Bubba Ray, and Devon take on Team WWF, which is Stone Cold, Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, The Undertaker, and Kane. Trish and Lita have a match. We get Rob Van Dam taking on Jeff Hardy. Tajiri wrestles Taz. Raven, William Regal. Billy Kidman and X-Pac. The APA, Sean O'Hare and Palumbo. Earl Hebner wrestles Nick Patrick. That'll yes. be my main event. Among others. So there is just a small helping of WWE invasion. Yeah, I think we have Tori and Stacy versus Trish and Lita. So lots of lots of good lots of good surprises. So Well that'll do it for another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex. I'm the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always, my closing line's a clothesline. All right, bingo, bingo. I like country music. I love country girls. I like Willie Nelson. And don't forget about Merle. There's only one thing that I hate, because it's a bunch of crap. I hate rap. I like NASCAR racing. Richard Petty is still the king. Yeah, they call me a redneck, but you know that's a beautiful thing. There's only one thing that I hate, cause it's a bunch of crap. I hate rap. There's only one thing that I hate, cause it's a bunch of crap. I hate rap There's only one thing that I hate Cause it's a bunch of crap I hate rap Rap is crap Rap is crap